Welcome to episode 28 of the Permaculture Pimpcast, the only pimpcast out there on the planet, really, where we discuss permaculture, preparedness, and practical living. How you doing, son? Good. How are you? Yeah, doing good, man. It's been a long, long couple of weeks, and uh, feels like an eternity since getting back to this microphone, man. It's, I mean, we were at the Back to the Land Festival and then got back long enough to get a break and then turned back around and went to the uh, Self-Reliance Festival. Always a good time, and man, I got to say, I'll get into it in a minute, man, but there were so many awesome people at both places. At this self-reliance, man, there was... um, A lot of people got to meet mom this time. Yeah, yeah, that was cool, and uh, a couple of them were these uh, two brothers from Michigan, and I better not say their names. I mean, I'm not sure they're giving me permission to do so. Man, these guys had me in stitches, and your mom, too, man. They remind me of Tag Tag, my old... uh, People that don't know, it's my old Army buddy. Um, his name, his real name was Fry Tag, but he, he kind of looked like a caveman back in the day. So we called him Tag Tag. It, you know, he doesn't look like a caveman now. He's actually kind of looks like Fabio, but, um, yeah, these guys just hearing their accent from Michigan, man, it, they, the, the tempo and the tone and how they talk dude, it just reminded me of him. Is and then, Tag Tag from Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. He lives about, oh. he, he lives around the Detroit area. And these guys are a bit further north. In fact, they're practically in Canada. But, man, they had me and your mom in stitches uh, just telling some of the old stories they used to do. But it was cool. Um, I'll get I'll get back to them in a minute because they, there was something that transpired with those guys that was really, really helpful to a lot of other people out there. All right, y'all. Remember, if you're checking us out, check us out on a fountain app. Tip a pimp. Yeah, people are using that left left and right. Every time you scroll down, it's just tip a pimp. Well, it's funny because those same two guys, <laughs> those same two brothers from Michigan, did you see those stickers that they gave uh-uh. us? I yeah, man, they made some pretty awesome stickers for uh, comfrey, like saying, hey, man, make this thing maybe look a little more professional. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. They also I did made see the tip stickers. a pimp stickers. I didn't see those ones. Though. I was trying to hoard them. He says, are you giving them out? And I said, nah, man, I, I know a lot of guys that wear hard hats. They would love this. But uh, they made me give them out, man. But so every anybody that came up and knew about the podcast, man, I, I which was practically um, just about everybody there. But right off, y'all, tip of the day: start calling orchards about their spent apples. What do I mean by that? Remember, in this podcast, oh, excuse me, Pimpcast. Um, one of the big things we do, and of course we do it on YouTube, is talking about taking all those resources out there that would ordinarily go into a dumpster and either use it in your compost pile or use it, you know, to feed your animals. Believe me, your chickens and pigs would love it. Am I right, son? Yeah, they do. Uh, Especially the pigs. The uh, chickens, if you're going to feed them to your chickens, you kind of need to uh, beat them up or cut them up or something like that first. But the pigs can just eat them right away. Yeah, well, in the terrain we got them in, if you don't cut those apples up, man, they're just going to roll right down the hill. So we got to at least cut them in half or otherwise it's going to just go right through the fence. But anyway... Right now, y'all, before, I mean, depending on where you are, it probably might, it probably is apple season for some of you. We're about a week or two away here where you could actually go there, and I'm not going to tell anybody until I get them, you know, the ones I'm after, but, um, and I'm not definitely not going to tell you where I'm getting them from until I get them, because um, I'm telling you what, everybody in the great-grandmother is going to be in line for these apples, but all the ones that hit the ground, y'all, they can't do anything with those. So when you go out to these orchards, Believe me, you are a blessing to these people if you tell them, hey, I'll take all those spent apples and tell them, remember, we talked about it many, many times before, remember, do not tell them you're going to feed it to your animals. Right. You're ultimately going to make compost out of it, and that's what you tell them. Yeah. So Yeah, if you tell them you're going to feed it, to, that's the exact reason they can't You do anything with it after it hits the ground. They can't. Yeah, sell it for any kind of consumption. Right. So, I mean, in some cases, some of these apples are sprayed or whatever. I mean, you got to make your determination as to whether or not that's a big concern to you. Um, I got to be honest with you. The way things are getting right now, look, we're not a doom and gloom podcast. We don't do that, but we don't ignore it either. But it might make sense to you to possibly consider taking these apples and doing something with your animals with them. I mean, in some cases, some people might even want to eat them. I'm not telling you to do that. But right now is the time to make those relationships and tell them, look, I'll come out there. I'll pick them all up off the ground. 
The places I go, you could fill your truck. I think I was telling Ben Holler at this over at the Holler Homestead. I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating. It's just one orchard. You could fill your truck about 40 times well, and still not make a dent. That one, there was a video you did a while back, and it was like you, you used an apple, like a bag of apples, and it was a process that you went through, and you used it for like three different things, and then everything that was left, you had to use, you had given to the pigs. Right. So it's not even that you have to uh, just decide on one thing that the apples need to be used for. I think you had made like, what was it, apple, apple cider, sauce, apple sauce, juice. apple butter, and uh, apple cider vinegar out of the skins and cores. Well, I thought you made apple juice, apple sauce, and too. apple butter. We did it all And then out of everything the same that was left went to the pigs. Right. Or something like that. Yeah. It was a while back. Um, yeah. It's but been... so you don't have to decide on just one thing. Like you and your pigs could both eat them in like the form of apple juice and then feed the rest of your pigs if you wanted to. Yeah. I mean, this stuff hits the ground, y'all. I mean, look, I'm not going to kid you. Feed prices are going to go through the roof. Gas prices. I mean, we got records. Well, I'll cover that, but what's going on in California and a number of other places. And I don't need to tell the people out there in this audience that things are blowing up in the store. So we have got to find legit ways to overcome that. All right. Also, should have said this in the beginning. I always forget this episode brought to you by Hickory Ridge Soap. Yep. You can find it at twooldcrows.com. Turn that mangy man into a sexy beast. Bam! Or or a sharp-dressed man. Uh, that's a new flavor she's coming out with. Yeah, man. I like everything they're doing, man. Check them out, Two Old Crows Homestead. Good friends and good products. That's how we roll. Well, they have more than just soap, too. They also have, like, handmade jewelry. And um, her daughter, well, her youngest daughter does the handmade jewelry. And then I think her oldest daughter does, like, the wax melts. Well, she asked me about that at the... <laughs> At the um, back farm, I mean, back to the land festival, she asked me about these wax melts and said, she's asking me, and I'm looking at her like, uh, she said, do you use wax melts? And I'm like, I'm looking at her. I'm like, I, and it was like, you Dad can tell didn't it was know what wax melts are. <laughs> she was, she was looking at me like Shelly does whenever I'm trying to set up this table. Like, okay, you're dope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just going about it. So it was cool to see Shelly again too this weekend. For the people who don't know, wax melts are just like wickless candles. You just put them on a candle warmer and they, they melt and then they smell good. Man, I thought it was something freaky, man. I mean, when you hear <laughs> wax melts, man, yeah. you hear about all these weirdos. I was like, what? Dude, Coming what? from Shelly's family, it's something freaky. Dad. No, I mean, I'd never heard of nothing like this, dude. Just I'm like, because they what's came a from wax Kentucky. melt? No, no. <laughs> no, I was sitting here. She's saying wax melt. And all I could think of was a patty melt. And I was hungry, dude. I'm like, man, what? I ain't eating no wax. I mean, I didn't know where your head was going, son. But I was that's what I was thinking. I'm like, she's saying wax melt. And I'm thinking patty melt. And over there, they got a food truck with this dude selling these waffles. And I'm thinking, man, I ain't never eating no wax on purpose. I mean, what's, what's this girl trying to sell? I was like, nah, I think I'm going to pass on that. And she just kind of shook her head like, yeah, I'll I'll talk to somebody else. This guy's a dummy. Anyway, they smell good. <laughs> yeah, well, they do. All right, y'all, so the farm news, okay. Um, well, we just did a couple of them. We talked before about the, um, oh, the uh, farm, well, not that. We were talking about the um, Self-Reliance Festival. Self-Reliance Festival. Of course, we ran into Shelly, Two Old Crows Homestead, ran into a number of others out there, and ran into a lot of you out there that are listening. And so it was, man, uh, it's a double-edged sword when you go to these things because, Number one, folks, hey, y'all, I don't. I am not a rock star. Please don't treat me like I'm anybody special, ever, because I'm not, and most certainly more flawed than you. Um, I'm flawed, very flawed, and maybe you don't see a lot of that. Maybe you don't see a lot of it in the broadcast, but really and truly, don't come up to me with your hat in your hand. It's me that should be coming up to you with my hat in my hand, for real, and I mean that. I mean that because I'm nobody special. I'm just a heart. If I got to claim the fame for anything, you know, I guess, I guess if I'm to be known for anything, maybe it's because I work hard. Uh, maybe I study hard and maybe I love deeply. And, you know, I care about the people that care about us. And I try to care about the people that wish us ill. I mean, I'm very flawed like everybody else. So I'm nobody special, but I got to say it was a joy to meet so many of you out there. And many of you, we talked about this before about how many people are so shy and your mom came across a number of them too. I guess, I don't know, maybe they thought I was a little more intimidating, but they came up to your mom and she was deeply moved by so many of you. And then also, honestly, I know that there's a fair amount of you that I never got to talk to. Um, and that, that it's kind of heartbreaking because there was some of the people near the end of it. This, the last day I'm realizing we got to put way more mulch on these trees 
So I didn't want to disturb anybody to have them help me, despite the fact that everybody in the great-grandmother offered to help me. I jumped on one of the machines that John had out there, and I'm filling up buckets, and I'm thinking, okay, I'll be done in 10 minutes. I didn't realize that so many people would stop me and have something to say, and all of them wonderful, and it took you know maybe two hours longer than it ordinarily would have. But I'm hearing, and it seems like all of the people that were reluctant to say anything in the presence of others kind of found me out and about, walked over, and they... Man, I can't believe the heartwarming stuff. And honestly, son, it's 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 pretty tough to hear all these people talking about how much you changed their lives. And I'm thinking, man, I, I I didn't know we had such an impact. I really didn't. And it's humbling. And it's also embarrassing to a certain extent because I know that I'm not that special. I know the full extent of my ignorance, believe me, folks. And so do the people that are closest to me. So whatever it's worth, I got to say that it was a joy. I also want to say, also, um, there was something that transpired with these two brothers. I'm not going to say their names. They're up in Michigan, and almost certainly they're listening right now. Man, these guys were a joy. But I got to say, when somebody's going to ask for an impromptu um, consultation, you got to do what these guys did, y'all. And I've never thought of anybody doing it, but they did. Check this out, son. They roll up. And they were asking me to look at their drawings. And I'm thinking that they were going to be the typical, uh, you know, just I drew this out for you on a sheet of paper kind of thing. No, right. man. They came up with some high-speed um, uh, pictures from every angle you can imagine of their property. Now, they were wanting it in, in – they were wanting to say, hey, from a security standpoint, what am I – you know, what should I do? What You know, honestly, both of them had all the answers, and they're already doing the right things. We just tweaked a couple of things. And I was shocked because I'm like, man, they came here prepared, man. They had yeah. really cl- glossy color photos and it was in every angle so where there was no guesswork as to what was where yeah. and how to situate this thing. And I just kind of tweaked it a little bit. But honestly, these guys had it together, man. They That's really, awesome. really had it together. So, folks, I want to say this. If uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know that I'll always have the opportunity to do it. But if you do show up to these things, you got to follow the template that these guys did. Um, you come up and you got, you know, legit topographical maps help but if you can get real world pictures those can be kind of hard to get depending on your location as well well and honestly like in the military i'm used to using uh the universal traverse mercado grid reference system and i can look at any topographical map and i can tell you where all the features are and where it matters but it really in most cases it's hard to unless you have a military background or unless you're used to looking at maps like this it's hard to convey that to you so when these guys are giving me like aerial photography from different angles and then showing me on the ground at every corner, I'm like, man, okay. So anybody else that wants an impromptu um, consultation, man, I got to say these guys, they led the way, man. That's how it needs to go from here on out. If you, because I don't have a whole lot of time and honestly, I could look at these pictures and I would say, okay, man, I got a full visual representation as, as close as anybody could ever ask for by looking at this. So folks, I just want to encourage you to do that. If ever we're out and about and we got time and you want us to look at whatever your project is, that's probably the best way to go about it. So I want yeah. to give those boys a shout out, man. I can't wait to see those guys again. Man, they had me and your mom on the floor. Yeah. What, what were they saying? Man, they you were guys just keep saying that. What they were, were they saying? Dude, they, it was just stories they were telling about growing up. I mean, they knew we all, we all had a sense of humor there and when these guys got going, man, I just wanted to sit back and listen to them, dude, because they're telling, I mean, they're so accustomed to the cold and every, it was kind of getting cool there. Yeah. They're the only two walking around a t-shirt. <laughs> and I'm like, so, so that opened up a conversation about how they went over to other countries and stuff like that to play football. And they, these guys are sleeping on balconies over <laughs> and they're like, man, they're thinking, man, what's up with these American hillbillies, man. They had to put out signs, man, like no sleeping on balconies and all wow. this other stuff because I mean, it was just hilarious to hear their stories, man, but it was just a joy to hang out with everybody, man. It really was a joy. So folks, I mean, at the next ones, we're going to be, in fact, uh, coming up pretty soon. We have. The farm where you live. And that's October 15th and 16th. I'm going to be butchering a pig a couple of days there, me and pork rind. Joel Salatin's going to be there, so y'all want to be there. And that's I mean, going to be in South Carolina. Right. The Pimp Daddy of Polyface is going to be there for that one, y'all. So uh, we're going to be there. Um, I'm going to talk to the homesteading pastor and see if he's going to be there, see if they're setting up a booth. But honestly, y'all, that is another great, that is a really, really great thing they got going on. This will be their second time doing it. And the first time there were a couple of glitches that they couldn't help. It wasn't their fault. 
But this time they've corrected all that stuff. So we're going to be out there hopefully with a barbecue grill as well. Where's the one uh, or when is the one that Ben and Denise are putting on? Yeah. um, Renewed Homestead has also got a meetup. That's going to be on October 22nd. Um, Tow River Campground, y'all. And believe me, we have got. And look, y'all, I'm going to do some catch up here because I haven't looked at my email or my um, my account over at freesteading.com. For quite a while, I just haven't had the opportunity. It's been go, go, go for the last two weeks. And when I do these festivals, y'all, man, I'm giving everything I got. The way I see it is you folks came all that way to come say hi or, you know, shake a hand or you want to tell your story or whatever the case may be. Man, I try to give you everything I got, which means I don't get any sleep. So, I mean, on the way back, man, me and your mom, yeah. we had to stop at Ann's place again, Ann of all trades. Yeah, We stopped there with Justin to go look at some earthworks we're going to have to do for her. And probably a collaboration, maybe even a class coming up in the future. But, um, yeah, she's off the hook. And she's doing some real stuff, y'all. She is the real deal. And uh, it was cool to see John hang out, you know, and meet everybody that came out there, y'all. I got to say that when I do these things, when Michelle does these things or William, I mean, I am honestly staying out there to the wee hours because I don't want anybody to feel shortchanged, man, as if, and if you did, y'all, I'm, I'm terribly sorry, and I'll try to make it up to you in any way I can. way I figure it, y'all came all that way, man, I need to be giving it 120%. That's how I feel about it. So if anybody got shortchanged on that, man, I'm really sorry about that. So um, maybe meet us out here at the, at the meetup on the 22nd, and that's, like I said, Tow River Campground. That's going to be over in Burnsville, North Carolina. Uh, uh, pre- uh, Pinball Preparedness is going to be there. Look forward to meeting him. And everybody else that's going to be there. So we'll talk more about it as it gets closer. But the one coming up next, not next week, well, man, whatever October 15th and 16th is. <laughs> Two weeks that, from now. Yeah, so we're going to be, they talked me into doing a couple of pigs there. So uh, that's what we're going to do. Uh, apparently everybody in their great-grandmother, son, um, they are really wanting to know how to do some processing. And considering the signs of the times, that's, no, that's not a surprise, huh? Yeah. yeah. So... All right, y'all, we're going to get into the uh, world news. Um, okay, Tuesday, we, we're doing this podcast, basically. If anybody wondering, we do it without breaks. We do it without, there's no editing in anything, right, son? I trim, I think, maybe the beginning and the end before anything is even playing. <laughs> so we give it to you in real time, usually. There's like one or two that if we know we're going to be out of town for one of these festivals, we try to do it like right before we go. So the things that we say are more relevant. Well, we're here, right here on the ground. It's Tuesday. You're going to hear it today. But, you know, considering the world news, I'm just going to bring up a couple of people. Coolio died, apparently died mysteriously in his sleep. Um, I didn't really know what this guy did all that much. I knew that one song by, you know, Osmosis, Gangster Paradise or whatever. But I did hear him in a couple of interviews a while back. He seemed like he was kind of awake but he apparently died suddenly and without question huh well it seems to be happening a lot more often lately yeah with a lot of people that have certain things in common but the other one that just died today uh justin metcalf told me he sent me a text saying man loretta lynn died man i know she was 90 but man i didn't see that coming um big thing there is that i know my dad and um his sister man were the world's biggest fan of loretta lynn and of course, so was I. I mean, I watched the coal mine his daughter back in the way, back in the day. And what is that a show? It was a movie. Uh, well, Sissy Spacey. One of the songs for today. Well, mom picked the music. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we'll be giving a tribute to both of those. But honestly, I got a cousin named Loretta Lynn, yeah. and she lives up in Massachusetts. And um, so obviously, you know, we don't do it. Look, I don't hear no celebrities out here giving tributes when they die. But honestly. This one is particular. I brought up Coolio because he probably has something in common with a lot of other people out there that have been injected with a certain thing and, you know, died in exactly the same circumstances. Seems like a lot of celebrities doing that. But Loretta Lynn was 90, left a great legacy every single time I saw an interview of her. Plus, you know, she fits the genre of what we do, man. That woman was country through and through. And she sang real country music, y'all, for the ones out there. Who are, who are into this new country pop or whatever this garbage is, I can't listen to it. It's unlistenable. Okay, the last song that was country, that had a country genre that I liked, actually came from Joel Thomas. Yeah, <laughs> 30 Hours of Utah or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. was 30 Hours of Utah, man. I've <laughs> and heard he's that. a rapper. <laughs> yeah, that was more country. I mean, that was more in the genre. But this other stuff that they got out there, but Loretta Lynn, 
What I loved about her is that she actually wrote her own songs, man. How cool is that? So, yeah, I was a big fan and uh, grew up on a lot of her music, even though, you know, it was way before my time, but still grew up on it. Believe me, you don't grow up in Oklahoma. <laughs> Back in those days, especially, um, there was only two stations, really country, old country. Well, three stations, country, old country, and, um, you know, Christian radio broadcasts and stuff like that. So she was a big influence and I loved her music. So she will be missed. And, um, well, moving on. Uh, gas is at record highs in California. Six high sixes last I saw. And, um, folks look, we ain't about giving gloom and doom, but it's going to get worse. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of just beginning guys. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then also this other little piece of news, and then I'm going to hit one last thing and we'll move on. But, um, I heard a couple of these dopes. Apparently it's talking points from all the prostitute media is that check this out, son. Did you know this? Hurricanes are great for the economy. How about that? Well, depends on which part of the economy you're, if you own FEMA. Yeah. 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 Say that to all the people that died down there. I mean, this is, this is how disconnected these prostitutes are. And when I hear this coming from multiple news, well, I use that loosely from multiple sources claiming to be news sources And they're all saying, oh, well, look on the bright side. We get to rebuild. Okay, if that's how it works, then why don't we just go ahead and tear down Detroit? Yeah, war is great for economy, too. And they're going to use that excuse here soon, too. Yeah, well, they're already working on that. But that brings me into the last part, son. Nord Stream 1 and 2, you're probably thinking, okay, I live in the United States of America. What does that even mean to me? Well, mysteriously, it blows up. Who do you think the number one suspect might be, son? (laughs) Well, they're saying it's Russia, but why would you blow up your own pipeline? Why would you blow up a pipeline that you can turn off? (laughs) Exactly. Does that make any sense at all? (laughs) You're going to sit here and say, you know what? Hey, man, you know what? I I got this big old house, man. I think I'm going to just tear off the West Wing of it. Does that make any sense at all? You could just not go in the West Wing of it. Yeah, I mean. And keep in mind that like, this isn't like some PVC pipe either. This is like inches and what is it like a over a foot of concrete or something like that. Yeah, it was, uh, we're talking like some serious pipe, man, going under the Baltic sea and Nord stream one and two are down. So what, you know what this means for Europe and Germany? I mean, I don't know if anybody is looking at this. Look, y'all, I'm just going to keep it real. It's getting real. When you start doing, when, when these sorts of things go off, then they lead places. I'm not in the business of selling fear. I'm in the business of selling solutions. And we don't tell you anything without offering a couple of solutions. If you haven't looked at our YouTube channel, you might want to start doing it because from now on, y'all, we're going to start doing more and more preparedness stuff in a way that maybe you haven't seen before. I know there's a lot of people out there telling you, oh, you're going to die if you don't have these five items or you're not going to make it if you don't do this or whatever. You know what? That might very well be true, but that's not empowering. That's not encouraging. In no way is that a call for action. Well, that's exactly what we do. We're going to cover more of that. And hopefully in this podcast, we're going to talk about it too. But y'all, you got to get loose or get lost. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. I'll be honest, man. I wasn't a big fan of hip hop back in the day, but I did like that song. I mean, I I don't know what it was about it, but you know, it's definitely not the typical genre of music that I'm into, but (laughs) I did like it. But anyway, um, I guess he'll be missed. All right, y'all getting down to brass tacks. We're talking about the topic at hand and it's kind of spurred by what happened this last weekend. Okay. Michelle and I, and also, Hey, I want to give a massive shout out to Jack Spearco. Yeah. Um, you know, himself, the pimp daddy of preparedness. I mean, just on a whim, dude, he was asked to come out here and uh, help out with the um, with the uh, guild class that we taught out at the Self-Reliance Festival the day before. It was actually on Friday. With no preparation, no nothing, no whatever, man, he came out and performed, man. When I say performed, I don't mean like he put on a show. I mean, he demonstrated the full extent of how sharp he really, really is. I want to thank you, Jack. Yeah, and you, I mean, that just shows that he knows what he's talking about when it comes to permaculture. Because unless you, I mean, if you didn't know what you were talking about, you wouldn't be able to 
teach a class like that impromptu. But I'm talking about, man, he's a consummate professional, man, where even when the class was over, we had a couple of glitches here that I will correct the next time. Uh, perhaps we went a little long for lunch and people kind of drifted a little bit. And then, you know, we're still catching our sea legs when it comes to some of these classes. So we'll get better and better as time goes on. But honestly, man, Jack sat there doing Q&A with me until I want to say this class started. It was supposed to go from 10 in the morning till 2 in the afternoon. We might have been sitting out there to near 7 o'clock, man, mm. answering questions from any and everybody that had them. And I don't know that between the, um, your mom, myself, and Jack, that we didn't really have an – I don't know that we didn't have an answer to any of the questions that were asked. And I want to also good. give a shout-out to all you ladies that came out there. Man, I'm going to drop I'm gonna drop a manhole cover on some of you men out there. Now, in some cases, I understand the ladies – there was one lady in particular, very, very sweet, uh, wonderful lady, came by herself because they have a special needs kid at home, and somebody like us, somebody's always got to be there. You know, because of the way we do things here, we can't just drop it off to anybody. We can't drop off the farm operations around here to anybody but Justin. Right. Because yeah. he knows the full extent of how everything goes. But um, Justin's going to these festivals now. Right. So yeah. that means one of us has to be here. And Justin is, well, we'll talk about him in a minute before we get into the main topic. But honestly, man, um, what we learned, what, man, I can't thank Jack enough, honestly, for helping out. It was it was a real joy. There were way more people there than we expected. Mm-hmm. Probably 77 people is what I was told. Um, and I think maybe 57 actually paid, but that's cool, man. <laughs> so, um, you know, at the end of the day, man, as long as anybody takes this stuff and goes back with it, just like Honeysuckle's Farm, man, we ran into them yep. out there. And, you know, the biggest, I was really given given serious thought because YouTube was doing a good job of suppressing us at the time. And I even talk about it in our latest video where... Yeah, it's out right now. By the time you hear this podcast, it's definitely out. Yeah, uh, we had Honeysuckle Farm on there, man. And they were... It, it is... I can't believe how awesome it was. When they sent me a... You know, showed me a video of what they were doing with the information there. So, um, it was good to meet them as well out there again. We saw them the week prior, so it was a joy to meet them. And there's so much more I'm, we're going to do with them in the future. But anyway... Um, in this class, we it, it gave me a, a, a bunch of great ideas, son, when it comes to like how the Amish do it. Or, you know, we, we keep forgetting about some of these other cultures, like some Asian cultures, Hispanic cultures, where they still have this high component of a family structure and they team up to get things done. Like with the Amish, it's a barn raising. Everybody knows about that for the most part. And then with, um, you know, People laugh, Americans laugh at some of the Hispanic cultures like, um, you know, some of the, like a lot of the Mexican dudes I knew, man, there'd be, you'd be shocked at how many people they could stuff in the house or in a car for that matter. <laughs> I mean, I mean, me and your mom, honestly, your jujitsu practice when you were little, we saw 12 little kids jump up out of this Chevy Caprice one time. So yeah, there's a point where it can, it can hit a point of maybe that's not the safest thing to do. And I still to this day don't know how they stacked them all in there like that. But, yeah, we counted them up, and they all went to your jujitsu practice as well. <laughs> um, but what do they do? In terms of a culture, and some of them aren't necessarily related, but in terms of a culture, they work together to get something done. So what did we do here in this class? We're showing people how to put a guild. Well, we had the swales. Let me paint this picture a little bit. We had a bunch of swales out there. Well, actually, three of them. And um, in this class... We were going to, and it's not the perfect time of year to do it, but it worked out great. So we put in trees, and then we put in all the other support species around that tree that is going to support the tree. Now, I likened it to an 80s rock band where you got the lead singer, rhythm guitar, lead guitar, bassist, and drummer, okay? So that's five people. So you got a tree, then you got comfrey, then you got rosemary, you got thyme, you got oregano, okay? You got a bunch of these different things. Now, the main star of the show is obviously your tree. But the tree also supports all... We think that one species is better or worse than the other. That's not the case. We have all these things that work like the fingers of your hand. It's kind of hard for your thumb by itself to do everything you need to do. It's kind of hard for your first finger. Or maybe your first finger and thumb. Try to do everything you do in the course of a day with just those two. Or maybe three fingers. But you know what? It works pretty well when you got all five. Yeah. That's exactly how we teach it. Right, and that's just replicating nature. I mean, you don't see just a single species out in the forest at a time well, or some, a single layer at a time. Right. Somebody asked, 
Well, if you and Michelle, and it was a good question. It really was. It said, if you and Michelle were doing this, how long would it take? And, I, and embarrassingly, it didn't even occur to me until that question was asked when we were doing the Q&A. And I'm like, okay, that top swell is 100 feet long, roughly. I, I want to say about 95, but we'll call it 100. Honestly, because we can relate, we've done this by ourselves. And truthfully, if we did that by ourselves, it would have taken at least an entire day to do it right. And I'm talking putting everything in the ground, putting the cardboard around where it goes, taking your time, making sure everything's squared away, mulching everything, seeding everything, because we did put a seed mix around this stuff too. That, ladies and gentlemen, would have taken us an entire day. Son, I timed it. You know how long it took on that top swale, a hundred foot swale with everybody on board? How long? It took, I want to say 12 minutes. Oh, wow. 12 minutes. I mean, and this is like people that have never done this before, I think by and large, we had some, uh, you know, we get over there and say, okay, here's a nitrogen fixer. I need three people. Bam, they step up. Some people are shy, so I kind of had to kind of reach in there and grab some. Yeah. And then we had another one where it was like, okay, I got a productive tree. I need five people. Bam, they were over there. And then once once they knew the battle drill, they were on it, man. We're talking, I mean, let's say it was 20 minutes. 20 minutes because many hands make light work, but we feel like in our, in our homestead and everything we do that we have to do it by ourselves. Why are we not reaching out? Why are we, and this is why I encouraged everybody out there to get on freesteading.com because yeah. honestly, let's yep. say you have this and let's say you, let's say you're one of the people that went to this class and almost certainly a great many of you are listening right now and maybe you're not, but now think about this. If you're at freesteading.com and you put a post out there that says, Hey, I went to that, um, I went to the swale workshop and Hey, I guess what else I did? I made a swale. And then I went to the uh, guild workshop and I'm going to put a guild and a swale in here. Anybody that wants to learn, show up to my house better yep. still, um, you know, charge money for this. And here's why y'all do you have any idea how many times I tried to teach butchery in the class and I did it for or teach butchery to a bunch of people and I did it for free. You want to know how many people showed up? Almost nobody. Nobody, because they think it's worthless unless you charge something. I hate to say it, but that's exactly how it goes. Yeah, I mean, you just won't have people show up if it's free, because then they're going to think, if you, if, if it's free, people are going to think, oh, they're just trying to get everybody to help do their work, and they're disguising it as a class. If you charge something, it's now made that switch in their head that, okay, this is a legitimate class. Right, they think it's legit, and sadly, that's exactly how it works. I mean, we've tried to give away a lot of stuff in the past for free, haven't we, son? Yeah. And all to no avail just because everybody thinks it's worthless because you didn't charge anything. Not understanding the background I have in this and that you have. Or, you know, it didn't matter. Whatever class we were doing, when we would do it for free, nobody showed up. Yeah. So, yeah, put it out there. And honestly, you should be compensated to a certain extent. Now, I'm not for charging well, an insane amount of money for some of this stuff, but some of it, you know... And it also doesn't even have to be like a monetary payment. It could be like you're doing a uh, fundraiser for your local food bank and it co co could cost you like 10 cans of food or something. That Man, could be the price really good for the idea. class. Yeah. So if you don't want to charge people, it could be something like that. And then you might even get more people to help uh, because they want to just donate food to the food bank. Right. But then you also need people that actually do help. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, I try to get in there and encourage. This class was much larger than I intended. So it was kind of hard to marshal, uh, you know, I thought we were going to have 30, man, before it was all said and done, we got nearly 80. Yeah. So um, when you get a class that size and thank God Jack was able to help out because, you know, it would have been tough for me and your mom to try to do all that by ourselves. But man, he came in, the dude knows what he's doing. He knows his craft and, you know, he showed it out there, man. And that's what really helps y'all. If you can get out there, train your neighbors, Look, y'all, I'm going to bring, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to go right back to keeping it real. And we talked about all the weird things. I'm not going to keep rehashing it, but we better be coming up with solutions, y'all. And we have got to train everybody we can on how to grow food and how to do it without drugs. That's what the yeah. guild's for. And if a tree doesn't make it, we don't baby it. We give it compost. We give it everything it's need. And then we use Mark Shepard's method, strategic, total, utter neglect. Now that's not entirely accurate. I'll give a tree compost, mulch, maybe we, cardboard. We give it the best start possible. And if it can't survive and thrive based off that best start, then it's just not a good 
variety. Right. You may lose up to 30% of your trees sometimes. We haven't lost anywhere near that. No. But it's possible, no. you know, and plus we count on the worms. And if we have the opportunity, like we did this time, we try to uh, we try to condition the soil before we ever get in there. So we put right. buckwheat and cowpea down in some of the world's worst soil. <laughs> and yeah. um, Rock. Right. But buckwheat and cowpea, it, it gave it a little bit of structure. We came in there, chopped and dropped it. But the bigger point that I'm trying to convey in this podcast, y'all, is marshal as many people as you possibly can and replicate this stuff. Why did you even go to the class? Why did you even go to the class? Or why are you going to pay for the online class if you have no intention of ever doing it? And if you do it, charge money or charge something. Make them have skin in the game. Or It's like, it's like the person that goes to a, um, you know, we don't go to nightclubs or anything, but my brother once told me, that whenever he did go to some of these places, he would go to the place with the highest cover charge. And the reason why is because you don't have any knuckleheads in there. When you pay 100 bucks to get in the door somewhere, nobody's going to be tripping. Nobody's going to be doing anything that's going to get them kicked out. Well, it's the same thing with having some measure of exchange before you teach anybody because they're thinking, okay, well, I got skin in the game. I probably ought to pay attention. Yeah. If you don't, you're going to have a bunch of conversations on the side, which I really dislike, you know, because all it takes is one little, I'm trying to yell over the entire crowd. It doesn't help when we have conversations in the back. It's one thing like, Hey, what did you say? I'm, you know, I need clarification, but you have, when the, the higher the price, the more people pay attention. That's a fact. Right. Yep. So I want everybody to consider, take a page out of some of these other cultures that are successful, especially in terms of family. I mean, if your family's like mine, believe me, we, we put the funk in dysfunctional, Okay, I'm not going to go out there and get them out to help on any of this. <laughs> but it is not a bad idea at all. And I don't care what the class may be, son. I mean, I'm talking about a guild right now. But not only can you get, you could do a little bit of classroom instruction. I mean, obviously, you want to have your ducks in a row when you do that. We did a little bit of that. And then walked outside and said, okay, let's put foot to butt. Let's get outside and get it done. And then when you go out there, everybody has a sense of accomplishment. And then also you're building a sense of camaraderie between you and maybe some of the neighbors you don't know if it's local or maybe some people that are an hour down the road. Believe me, it's not that far. Yeah. I mean, you just built a relationship at some level with some of the people around you. And frankly, y'all, how many people did, how many people come up to me? How many of you write to me and say, I don't have a community. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. Take some of this information, put out the clarion call. Don't expect a hundred people to show up the first time. All you need is one. You need that first person to come in there. I don't care if you put out the call and one person shows up. Well, that shows you the level of dedication about that one person. Let's say 10 show up. Okay. Now you have 10 people. And now think about the community, the, mu the mutual assistance group or mag. that we talk a lot about in preparedness. Think about what you just created with that. So now all of a sudden they have an issue at their place. Maybe it's not even putting in a project. Maybe it's okay. Maybe you have a better understanding of plumbing and all of a sudden they sprung a leak like John's place just did the other day. Yeah. Or your chicken barn burns down like grumpy acres did. Right. And now all of a sudden, and look at grumpy acres, they got a community up there where everybody lends a hand. Yeah. People show up, they drop what they're doing. And that's the mark of a real friend y'all. I mean, ones that tell you like it is, whether you want to hear it or not, and also the ones who will help you do things, you know, no matter where you are in that continuum, you know, as far as, yeah. but this is how it all begins. Take some of this stuff, take a page out of the book of these other cultures, because they join forces to get things done. And honestly, you know, on another note, a lot of these, um, a lot of these cultures, whether, you know, the Indian culture, when I, I mean, India, Indian, you know, a lot of them stack up in one place too. I remember this one, and I think you knew of one, too, in Texas where mm -hmm. there was a doctor, yep. and they had a gang of them up in this place. And what do they do? They all put their resources. It was pretty cool to hear from this one. I think it was Dr. Chattervetti that I knew back in Oklahoma when I was in college. And the way I understood it, because his English was really tough, but the way I understood it was everybody pulled together to get him through to get his Ph.D. Now that he got that and he's making a little bit of money, and he was working for a place um, doing all kinds of chemistry type stuff. Now, all of a sudden, the next one's coming up. He throws a little bit of money back their way. They all pull the resources. Now the next one gets up there. That's why that culture is so doggone successful. And then they got another one in there. There's a lot of other Asian cultures that do that very same thing. 
So why are we not doing this? Why are we not taking these awesome resources from these wonderful people throughout the world? Because everything in our American culture tells us we got to do everything in isolation. And I'm a victim of it too, y'all. We've done it over and over and over again. I've been reluctant so many times to ask for help because of all the times we've been burned. And then we turn back around and then we get into this and then we come to find out, you know what? Yeah, there are always going to be those people out there that burn you. You try to vet them as best you can, but you ultimately get to the point where you finally get that core group of people. In fact, Bobby Spaggs, we're going to try to get him on here here pretty soon. On the podcast? Yeah, on the podcast. Okay. I mean, we've talked to him on YouTube a number of times Yeah, about how you go through and you select these people because there should be a vetting process. So, But it all starts with you helping them with a project or them helping you with a project. We could very well get with uh, grumpy or Darren and they've been at this for a long, long time. Yep. And folks, that's where it starts. So I know a lot of you out there have, you have more of an introverted way of doing things. And I get it. I totally get it because most of us in this homesteading permaculture space, many of us are introverts and folks, like I said before, you may not believe it, but to a fair extent, so am I, I really am. Now I know that when I'm out and about, I mean, there's always that time where I got to get away for a little bit, not because I, I don't like anybody. Or I just need that time to kind of sort out my own brain. It's just things get clogged up and there's a lot of people around me. And then like this one time, son, like at this last festival, I go out in the woods. Um, you know, I'm trying to eat something. I'm starving out there. And I realized that the only way I'm going to eat anything is if I go in the Portageon, dude. What? I didn't go in there. I didn't what? do it. Dead. But no, I, I, I went with option B. <laughs> no, folks, I'm not eating the dinner in the Portageon like I saw one time in Tennessee, but that's another story. Dead. This um, was not something you should have ever said. No, no, folks, I'm not eating any <laughs> dinner in the Portageon. your mind? No. That's bad enough. I'm thinking, no, what it comes down to is there's a lot of people um, that came there and it was a joy to meet them. But man, I'm like, dude, I can't honestly talk with these people without spitting my food on them. Yeah. So I got to kind of find a place where I can eat this. So I went over there in the woods, man, I didn't see this one coming. I went over to the woods and then what I realized I got over there, a little sidetrack. I don't mean to do this, uh, go too far off the path, but there was this one guy that I knew kept trying to get my attention. And I just, every time I'd see him, um, he would, it would be a position where I just couldn't talk and I yeah. felt so bad. And so here it was, I'm in the woods. I get past the Porter Johns with my plate. Uh, yeah. I walk past him, son. Yeah. I get up and I find a, a spot in the woods and I'm like, okay, I'll go over here. And I realized at that moment that I didn't pray. I realized at that moment, I'm like over here in the woods all by myself. And I realized I didn't pray. So I literally had my plate of food and you know how it goes around here. I don't eat anything until I mean, I pray yeah. for the day. Right. So I do everything in a fasted state. And then I was like, man, I felt so guilty because it had been a couple of days since I prayed. And every time I don't, y'all, everything falls apart. So anyway, I get on my knees over in these trees, put my plate down, and I start praying. And I thank the Lord for the food and all the other things, you know, all the wonderful blessings I have. And then as soon as I open my eyes, I pick up the phone and realize I needed to text Ann of all trades. I'm over here texting. I'm on my knees, and that dude walks up. And I'm like, first of all, how did this dude find me over here in the woods? <laughs> and uh, I was kind of, I mean, he he didn't know what to, he didn't know what he was looking at, dude. I'm on my knees with a plate at my feet, holding the phone at the same time. And I'm realizing I needed to get a hold of Ann. Well, anyway, point being is that, unfortunately, I never got to spend time with that dude. I went way sideways on this thing, and I don't yeah. even know why, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Where did we start? Yeah. Well, I know. You threw I'm me off with the whole porta eating in the porta potty. Yeah. I know we went a little sideways, son, but this is our podcast, and I can talk <laughs> about anything I want to. Going back to that community, y'all, there he was looking for community, even of one person. Sadly, this guy, all day long, man, I saw him by himself. And when I was done, I mean, he saw what he, he didn't know what to think, man. He ends up walking off, and I don't. I don't know what he was thinking, man, but I could see him walk off and he went up to the swales. And then as soon as I got done, I tried to inhale this food as quickly as I could. And then he's nowhere to be found. And then unfortunately he's one that got away from me. So I want to apologize if that guy's out there listening, man, I'm so sorry. Um, I did the best I could. At least now you know what dad was doing out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you, yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least now, you know, man, it wasn't anything like that, but look to come full circle with this y'all. You got to find, I know we've been beating this, it seems like we're beating this horse half to death, but I'm talking even when your projects are going on, 
Put out the clarion call. That's why freesteading.com exists. Find out they got state pages on there for crying out loud. And get on there and say, look, or maybe you don't even know what you're doing. Say, look, I would like to put a food forest in at my place. Is there anybody that can help me? Can we get a gang over here and help me out? You'd be shocked at how many people would be on the first thing smoking to come help you. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of permaculture designers that just want to, like they're beginning and they just want the practice. Right. Maybe you tell them or you get on there on one of the state pages or maybe your own page and say, look, I don't have any experience in this particular skill. Is anybody willing to put on a class? Yeah. See what happens. Yeah, you could host the class for the designer, for the permaculture designer if you wanted to. It could be anything, though. I mean, hey, I don't know anything about canning. Is there anybody out there that would like to do a class? And you would be shocked at how many people are thinking, okay, well, I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. Come on over. You know what? Let's bring a gang, too. Maybe we have a party. Maybe they charge anything. Maybe they don't. But look, we have got to link up and take a page out of some of these other cultures that do this, and they've been doing it all their lives. And because of it, they have strong family bonds, and they got a long, strong, friendly bond as well. Man, what a what a talent, man. What a talent. And honestly, man, to that music to this day, when I hear it, as a little side note, when we were in uh we were visiting Anne of All Trades, her and her husband, man, they took us out to eat, me and your mom, and of course it was a joy. We I surprised your mom bringing her there. She didn't yeah. know about it. Apparently we, she was being difficult the whole time, too. Yeah, she was like, Why are we stabbing here? Blah, 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 blah. She didn't know where she was going. And she's like, We she thought we were going to a nursery also, or something. Also, dad did it the most suspicious way possible. Emily and I were betting on whether or not dad was going to reveal the secret beforehand. Dad, okay, so... Nope. I don't even know how mom didn't even catch up, catch on to this. Dad is winking at me about taking mom to Anne of All Trades while mom is in between us. <laughs> she didn't see nothing, man. Her back I was don't turned. know how she didn't see it. She didn't see anything, man. Point of it being is that oh, <laughs> we went, well, the, what I was getting at is that, uh, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, uh, man, we're wasting, you know, I, man, I'm really cautious of taking somebody's time. And she was so gracious and kind. And then we were out there doing something of a de facto uh, design consultation. That's kind of where it led. And so it was a two edge. I mean, going right back to what we talked in here, y'all. So we were a blessing to her and she was a blessing to us. And honestly, in the future, I can't wait for the future collaborations that unfold because honestly, man, she fills in a lot of gaps that we don't know. how. And, and guess what? We fill her gaps too. And that's why us and Justin stopped by her place on the way out. So, um, you know, they took us to this place and we listened to some old timey country music. I mean, a guy that was doing like renditions of like old Johnny Horton songs, some Hank Williams songs and hearing Loretta Lynn, man, that just kind of brought me back there. So, and then I was looking at her all the way up there and back that we're talking about Loretta Lynn's place on all those billboards yeah, in and out of Tennessee. And I'm like, man, you know, it'd be cool to see her one of these days. And then I get back and then come to find out she died. Okay. Y'all we're getting into the Q and a, and uh, like I said, Loretta Lynn will be missed. Um, you want me to go ahead and kick this off, son? Uh, I, I mean, I've got questions. All right, go ahead. All right. Um, oh, crap. Apparently po he doesn't Boy, have any. Yeah, I do. Poe Boy said, tip a pimp. Are hybrid willows the best option for fast-growing pri- privacy screen in Zone 6? Um, I don't know if there's necessarily a best option but there's a bunch of options for fast growing privacy screens you could do like hybrid poplars you could do running bamboo clumping bamboo um well be careful about that running bamboo yeah it it just depends uh yeah i mean there's a bunch of options the cool thing about those willows though is that you can cut them up and turn them into a root growth stimulant that you can like take the new growth cuttings uh soak them in a bucket of water for i think like two weeks and then afterwards, you have the world's best uh, root growth stimulant. Well, Grumpy Acres has actually come up with a pretty good recipe, and right. we're going to be trying it out soon. And when we do, we're going to let you know about it because they're going to have it for sale. Yep. Talk about that community, y'all. Okay, here we go. Got one from Shelly B. 
Uh, so we're here in Oregon. We got pine trees all around us. Winter can get cold and wet. Just got chickens, but now we lost three to dogs. We have six chickens now for egg laying at the moment. We let the chickens roam free. Um, I had a small pile of compost and started, but the chickens all scattered it. That's what they're supposed to do. What is the best way to do com- uh, composting? Also, she's a former Sergeant First Class 24-year Army veteran. Thank you so much, Shelly B. There's no best way to do composting. It's, it's the best way you want to do composting these ways. Um, yeah, it, when it comes to your chickens, that's exactly where they're going to spread it out because they're looking for the biota in that pile. So all you got to do is just bring it back together at the end of the day. Right. The composting method that works best is the one that works best for you. And like, how quickly do you need it? Um, and, and stuff like that. Like, what are you wanting to throw into your compost pile? How quickly do you need it? Uh, what kind of time management do you have? Stuff like that. What kind of involvement do you have? I mean, maybe you don't have a strong yeah. back and maybe the, um, uh, 18-day compost ain't for you, or maybe even the 30-day compost. Maybe doing it the old-fashioned way, setting it in a bin and let it sit for a while. You know, that or works, like too. Johnson Sioux bioreactor. We haven't tested that method yet, but, I mean, it works. Well, I talked about it a great deal, talking about how, you know, Jack Spearco added that into all this. Yep. So we look forward to trying that in the future as well. What do you got, son? Uh, that's it. actually it on the... Uh, um, there was one guy he was asking, it's not necessarily a homestead question, but he's asking, uh, if you, at the end of the podcast, you could stay, say, stay alert. And I could say, stay alive. All right, let's try it. I like it. Okay. I like it. We'll try it on So it's going to require a little bit of coordination, folks. What you don't realize, yeah. despite having a little bit of darker pigment, we ain't got no rhythm up in this house. Nope. Not one person. I mean, <laughs> all right, we got one from Skylar because I got a lot of Q&A, y'all, because it's been so long since I checked my email. And, folks, I'm going to get to them. Uh, if need be, we'll do a whole pimp cast talking about Q&A, but we're going to get as many of them as we can right now. This one's from Skylar. He says, brother, you got me saying amen with this headlamp talk. Hate those things. I'm actually going to teach a class on light discipline at our next fall, or at our next trail life camp out. These boys will straight blind you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you, Skylar. Um, man, I, I'm, I am determined to do that video. I'm going to do it. I know that there's a whole lot of people in the preparedness community that are going to lose their beans over it, but I don't care. I mean, honestly, that is in a tactical setting. If you find yourself in a tactical setting, which it looks like we're leaning towards, you got a headlamp. You just gave away everybody's, not just a headlamp, Any light, even a red light will give up your position. You even have to have discipline when doing that. And hopefully I'll cover that in the video. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So son, these, these headlamps, man, I mean, what, what's your biggest complaint about them? Well, I mean, the, the fact that if you ever have to talk to somebody with a headlamp, you're blinding the other person. Also at night at these festivals, which a lot of the time is when they pop up at these festivals or campouts and stuff like that, the moon is out. Yeah, like you use the dog on moon. Even when it's not out, even I mean, even in a tactile setting, man, you if you just wait long enough, be patient. Don't worry, you'll get some night vision, and you look with your peripheral, y'all. I'm all over this light discipline thing because everybody wants to wear those stupid headlamps. And it seems like there's certain times where people look for excuses to use their flashlights or their headlamps and stuff like that. Now those headlamps are okay if you're out, you know, you're doing regular things, but if you're in a tactical campsite. You can't have a fire. Yeah. Okay. If you're in a tactical campsite or a clandestine patrol base, like we used to call it, you cannot have those things out there. So it's one thing if you have a flashlight and you have it for certain things, I get it. Um, but in a tactical environment, y'all, you have got to get rid of these things. And if you're thinking because you're in your tent, you can turn your hand headlamp on oh, and nobody can see no. you. That is not the case. You just made a glowing tent. The way you would do it in a tactical environment is a red light under a freaking blanket. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, Rhonda, good afternoon, Billy. I ordered some comfrey from y'all. Guess what? It's finally started growing. I'm so excited. Thank you. Keep on teaching amazing things. Thank you so much, Rhonda. Um, I want to bring that That's up. That's not so a question, Dad. I know it's not, but no. she's addressing something that we'll probably get to it in other questions. Oh. But honestly, one of the things I want to point out with what Rhonda said there is – a lot of people are saying, well, hey, not a lot, but some people are saying, hey, we bought comfrey oh, yeah. and it's taking forever in a day. Look, y'all, in some places, if you got to water this stuff, you can't put it in potting soil. You can't put it in compost. You got to make sure it's moist and uh, you got to give it time. I mean, in some cases, man, we've got yeah. reports where it's coming up three and four months later. Yeah. I mean, it could take it a while before it pops up. It just depends on your location. Um, 
But once it pops up, it's staying there forever. Okay, we got one from Lori here. Um, I'm just going to jump down. She's asking if we sell quantities lower than 10. She's in Queens, New York. Um, no, we don't sell them any lower than 10. We don't even sell them at 10. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> because they still get Oh, yeah, like we, we throw a bunch of extra in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we don't actually. Yeah, so maybe, you know what you could do if you wind up buying 10? Gorilla Garden those things. Well, or if there's some other people around you that want some as well. Because I'm guessing in Queens, your space is limited. Yeah. Yeah, but you could Gorilla Garden. That's the perfect thing to try to Gorilla Garden. Yeah. Um, and then most people are going to look at it and think, oh, that's cool. They probably walk right past it, not even knowing the full value of it. Um, she said, I heard it was invasive as well. Is that true? In the video, you touched on it briefly. Is it true comfrey that produces seeds? Will it drop seeds and spread? This comfrey will not. This is not like the uh comfrey that everybody's warned against as far as the spreading goes this is a clumping variety it's russian bocking number four uh so it won't spread it's not going to drop seeds everywhere and stuff like that but also the spreading variety if you're in queens new york that might be the kind you want you might want it to take over the doggone city (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that's not what we have um but we yeah we sell a clumping variety so it's not going to get out of hand the only way it's going to spread is if you literally spread it yourself you got to dig it up and spread it yeah otherwise it's going to stay put so yeah this stuff yeah so this is a real good opportunity for you to maybe gorilla garden or like william said uh perhaps there's neighbors around you that might want to give it a shot um there's people that grow it in pots you could do that but honestly, I would be a bigger fan of Gorilla Gardening. How cool would that be, man? Comfrey all over NYC. Yeah, that'd be cool if you planted it along your like along your route for the day or something. Like I, I'm guessing you walk to work. I don't really know how it goes down in Queens, New York. But <laughs> you should. That'd be cool if you planted comfrey along your route. Yeah, that would be cool if you do it. I mean, hey, take a picture of it. Let us know. Yeah. Okay, we got Melanie over here. Um, man, I just emailed her back, and she um, yeah, she got back with me today. Um, before I use a lot of your questions, y'all, I'll let you know whether or not I'm going to do it on the Pimpcast. Uh, Melanie, in a nutshell, she said, hey, I just finished listening to episode 24 where a listener sent questions about the chicken eating Great Pyrenees. I'm, And she says, I am here to attest oh. to the chicken necklace, as my dad used to call it. It works. He takes the victim of the attack and zip ties it as well to the dog's collar and lets it rot off. Every time that has come, she basically said there has not been a time it didn't work. And he has to do it all the time. Uh, my brother tried to tech. Well, I won't go into all that because we got a lot of other ones to get to. But um, I'm telling you what. Um, good night, man. That I mean, every old timer yeah. I knew from way back said that worked. We never did it, but no. it's good to know that that does work. But man, I, what if it's an indoor dog? That sucks. Or a dog you ever have to be around because <laughs> that's gonna be a funky dog. Yeah, for a that while. ain't gonna be cool. But you know, if it corrects the problem, then... I mean, it's better than the alternative. The alternative is a a bunch of chickens die or you replace the dog because you can't have like misbehaving animals on your farm. So it's still better than the alternative. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, We got Donna here says her husband, Steve, just purchased a third jar of bone sauce and we love it. Thank you so much for your support. And um, for those that don't know, it's a deer rabbit repellent. It works like a champ. Uh, we saw a get together on pinballs, YouTube. That is, and, uh, that's near you on October 22nd. Will you be there? We enjoy you both <laughs> William and Homestead, honey. Um, yeah, we're going to all be there. In fact, we're going to try to bring the whole family unit. Um, I'm not sure Kendra will be able to make it, but, um, I'm not sure if Emily will be able to make it either. Depending yeah, on her work so we'll schedule to, is, but almost certainly all th- me, Michelle and William will almost certainly be there. Well, I know for sure I'm going to be there. Yeah, We'll uh, definitely be there. At least two of the three will definitely be there, but, um, yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of this podcast. And, y'all, this is where, you know, like I was saying, we got freesetting.com now. Well, it's certainly not going to hurt if we have in-person, you know, things as well. Because you're going to find yeah. out. You know, every single time we go to anything like this, what do we find out, son? There's people that are just living right around the corner that came all that way yep. to meet you. Um, in fact, so I was walking out of Lowe's today, right? And this uh, lady, I'm just walking down the parking lot, going to the truck, and this lady says, I watch your videos. She, like, yells it at me, like, I watch your videos. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. Um, Anyways, her name's Angela. She lives in Burnsville. Uh, She'll be at the meetup. And uh, apparently with everything that's going on in the past two years, she's lost a lot of friends. And this is uh, not... 
I think from differences um, about current what's going on. Uh, and she's just real thankful that there's a meetup going on in uh, Burnsville where she can go and make new friends. Because right now, the people she watches on YouTube are her friends. Wow. Well, I look forward to meeting you, Angela. Yep. And uh, everybody else is going to likely be there. But that's exactly why we can't forsake the gathering of ourselves for a whole bunch of reasons. And not the least of which is, hey, we many of us need that human interaction. Now, I would prefer no human interaction to stupid human interaction. Yeah. Um, which I try to stay out of Asheville. There was a time Asheville was a cool place to go hang out, but man, I'm just not seeing it anymore. And it seems nope. like it's getting worse, man. Way worse. All right. We got Tirza. Got a niece with that name. Love it. Um, she says, hi, Billy. How long does bone sauce last? How many trees will an eight ounce? How many trees will an eight ounce treat? This almost sounds like a riddle. <laughs> um, does it repel goats and heifers too? Oh, is your comfrey? Uh, B14, thank you for your time. Okay. Let's start with the first one. Okay, yeah, there's a lot <laughs> What's there. the first one? So how long does it last? Okay. Um, 25 to 30 years if you apply it to a wooden surface, I think. Yeah, if it's, now, it does make a difference. If it's a little sapling, okay, you're going to need to apply that as it gets right. more girth on it, as it grows. Um, when it's mature, I mean, it's going to last probably for the life of that tree. So 25 years, that's a long time. Um and how many trees Only will if it's ounce? applied to a wooden surface, though. So if yes. you apply it to metal or plastic or cloth or something like that, it, I, we don't know how long that lasts. Yeah, we don't know. Um, Danny at Deep South did it on a cloth, and they hung it out there. Man, they said nothing came around. Yeah. I mean, um, but as far as how many trees will an 8-ounce treat, it's kind of hard to say because it depends on the size of your trees. If it's sapling at 8-ounce, there's saplings that are, let's say, 6 feet tall, you could feasibly do about 20 trees with an eight ounce jar, maybe more. Let's say you just ordered trees from like Tai Tai or something. Like bare root? Yeah, bare root. Like how many of those trees would uh, eight ounce knock out? Well, just that's remember, a good base barometer for people to yeah, compare to. Yeah. So if you're in the dead of, you want to, the ideal time to apply this stuff is in when the tree is dormant. So when the leaves come off of it and the sugars are down in the root, you can apply it all over that tree. And you're going to find out that it works fantastic. That's the best way to go about it. But some people have had to do it in the middle of the growing season. So yeah. that makes a difference. So, And if you do that during the middle of the growing season, make sure you don't apply it to any green parts of the tree. Right. Like any buds, leaves, or anything like that. Just Google bone sauce. Uh, well, Google is not a verb. Um, just search engine bone sauce and you'll likely come up with our video. It's not a verb either. It's just search, search bone sauce. Yeah. But when you say Google, that means it's a verb. You, you know, you're doing yeah. something. So don't Google anything search and preferably not using Google. So, um, yeah. And our video is going to pop up and you see how we use it. Um, also does it repel goats and heifers too? Um, I think there was a lady in Hawaii said something about this thing well, working on a yeah, bull. It was the, the wild bulls on that one Island. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it repelled them. Uh, we could test it on Coco. I don't know, man. I'm a little careful about that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a little I, protective of his little baby bull. No, I don't really have anything I want to keep him away from in his paddock, you know. So I'm afraid of putting something out there and then him not even going anywhere near what he wants to eat. And then, son, our country is what? Bocking number four, right? Russian bocking number four. Yep. There you have it. Thank you so much, Tirza. Okay. And then I think we're going to stop here with uh, Josiah. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Josiah says, good morning, Billy. Enjoy the podcast. Got a question regarding American guinea hogs. Oh, I like this question. Would the fat from an American guinea hog mix well with venison? Also, any other breeds to check out? I enjoy hunting and typically typically take three to four deer a year. Always add pork fat to my grind. I like the way you roll. Um, also wanted, wanting to start to make my own sausage. Okay. Um, usually the golden rule with a lot of that when it comes to sausage making or any kind of mixture like that, when you're making... And there's no hard, fast way to go about this. But a lot of people like to use beef fat with their venison when they're making um, grind, at least from an American taste bud standard. Most people want to take that beef fat and uh, mix it when you're doing grind. But when it comes to sausages, they're usually wanting to mess with pork fat, all depending on how you prefer it. And as far as guinea hog, man, I'm glad you asked that question because I would have never covered it otherwise. I mean, honestly, I've never done it specifically with American guinea hog, but I'd jump at it in yeah, a heartbeat. Yeah, that would be cool. Because, honestly, the fat on those guys yeah. is the cat's meow. And you're going to have extra fat. I mean, you're going to have guinea leftover hog, you're gonna fat. You're going to have a lot of leftover fat. I'm talking about for like your grind and stuff like that. So if you're doing sausages, you're not going to have, like, you're not going to use all your fat for your pork sausages from that American guinea hog. 
You so wanna, you could use some of that extra fat for your deer if you wanted to. I will say though, but when you're making those sausages and you're putting them in, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're putting them in links. When you do that, you want to be really cautious about going way too heavy on the fat because it'll blow your casings. It'll blow them things right off. <laughs> do dumb things will be popping right up off the grill. So you want to be careful on that. You want to make sure it's set up. Also, when you're making your sausage, do not put it in casings right after you mix it up. Let that stuff sit overnight. You need those flavors to come together. If you don't, Believe me, you're going to taste the difference. You're going to have things that are, let's say you got garlic in there, and let's say you got a, a oregano or thyme or rosemary. If you don't give it all night to set up, you're going to taste, your sausage is going to taste a little strange. And the salt may not have made its way all through there. But you want to go a little bit sparingly when it comes to putting too much fat in there. I like to use beef collagen casings when I do that stuff because during the cooking, I don't like using, I mean, I've done it before. I don't like using hog casings. Just because, I mean, you got to get it perfect to get that snap when you bite through it. And frankly, I love beef collagen casings because it kind of burns off and keeps its form when you're cooking it. It doesn't completely burn off, but honestly, it's just the sausage there without that spongy. If you don't get it right, man, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that spongy stuff like a lot of people do in the hot links back in Oklahoma. So um, that's how I would roll with that. The sponginess isn't the issue with hot links, Dad. <laughs> what do you mean? It's the fact that they're bright red is the issue with the hotline. Well, there is that. Um, man, I got to say, um, dude, it, it's been a real joy, y'all. I mean, it's been a mad rush to do so many things. It looks like all this week and then, the, you know, we're going to have time to get caught up on things. And I got to be honest, y'all, before we close this out, I want to say that we are in full tilt in terms of preparedness right now. That's where I want to leave this. I could go through and answer a bunch more questions, but we're going to save them for the next pimp cast. We are full tilt preparedness right now. I'm not going to blow smoke. And these are things I would not have told you before. Why am I doing it now? Well, because it's getting real and nobody in the mainstream prostitute media is going to tell you just how real it's getting. I spend a fair piece of my day as I'm working around here. Every single time you see earbuds on me, I'm researching, I'm learning and I'm seeing what's going on in the world, not because I'm afraid or anything. Remember, we're not given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so I want to be prepared. You know, my people perish for lack of knowledge. But there's such a thing as getting bad knowledge, too. So don't get it from the mainstream prostitutes. There's a lot of good places out there. Um, Hagman and Hagman's one of them. Um, well, go out there and fight them for yourself. You know, don't take my word for it and cross check everything I'm saying. But, yeah, we are in full tilt preparedness around here. And folks, be thinking about how you're going to get your heat through the winter. Is it coming from wood? Is uh, the price of fuel going to get so high or heating oil that it's touch and go as to whether or not you're going to have it? Okay, you got to be thinking about those things. Nobody wants to think about that. You shouldn't have to. Got billions to sit over here and send to Ukraine, but we, we got grandmas in there freezing in their houses. Yeah, that irritates me too. But folks, I'm going to say get your lock on preparedness. So with that, y'all... Stay alert. Stay alive. 